Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Go to Philippians 1. We'll go back here in just a moment on your notes to uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, we've been talking about the power of Pentecost for some weeks now as we celebrated not too long ago the Sunday recognizing when the, pen, the uh, power of God on the day of Pentecost first fell uh, on the believers. Praise the Lord. We are in the area of now talking about the love walk as it relates to this power because again for us to, as we've seen clearly already, for us to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, for us to see the anointing of God, the power of God working in our life. Anybody want to see that happen? For us to see that, guess what we got to do? We've got to walk in love. We've got to make sure, as we're going to see again clearly, what walking in love according to Scripture is all about. There's a lot of misconception, believe it or not, whether you realize it or not, about the love of God. Uh, that's on purpose by Satan's design. He certainly doesn't want people to walk in biblical love. He'll, uh, most of the time, he'll get them to go to one ditch or the other. I'll quote John Osteen again. As believers, we just need to stay down the middle of the road. And we need to understand the balance of what Bible love's about. Some people would say, well, we just are supposed to love without limits. But that's not what Philippians 1 says in relationship to what we walk in the light of in relationship to God's love. I think for sure uh, we need to see more of God's love manifest in the life of believers, no doubt. I think we don't see it as like we should. But at the same time, we don't want to be taken advantage of by the enemy either. And he will certainly do that if we're not careful. This is what Philippians 1 says, verse 9. This I pray, Paul said to the Philippian church, that your love may abound still more and more. So he was praying that their love would what? Even increase more than where it was now. But how? In knowledge and in all discernment. Say all discernment. Why? That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. You wouldn't think it in this relationship to what a lot of people think of the love of God, that Satan would utilize or try to get what is a false perception of God's love to deceive you, but he will. He will. God wants us to not be deceived and have no offense till the day of Christ, 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. I'm going to read again Weiss translation of Philippians 9 and 10. This will kind of make it a little more clear. In Weiss translation of verse 9, it says, And this is the constant purport of my definite petitions, namely, that your love, the divine and self-sacrificial in its nature love, which comes from God by the Holy Spirit, would yet more and more overflow would yet more and more overflow, but at the same time, at the same time, be kept within the guiding limitations of an accurate knowledge of God's Word gained by experience. God's Word on what? Love. I want your love to overflow, but at the same time, I want it to be kept within the guiding limitations of an accurate knowledge of God's Word gained by experience and those guiding limitations of every kind of sensitive, moral, and ethical tax. So that, verse 10, 
so that you may, after putting them to the test of God's word, recognize the true value of the finer distinctions involved in Christian conduct and thus sanction them in order that you might be unadulterated by evil and thus pure and not a stumbling block in the view of the day of Christ. So all that to say this, if you and I don't walk in knowledge and discernment as it relates to love, the devil can get you in a position to think you're walking in love when in fact you're not. You're going beyond what the Bible may say and therefore you're actually opening yourself up to deception. So if you go to 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13, you'll see this clearly as we start defining this more and more as to what we just read in Philippians chapter 1. We got to understand that love never endorses wrong. Love never overlooks wrong. Love doesn't expose aspects of wrong in relationship to individuals, as we'll see. But at the same time, love does deal with things that are not right in the sight of God. Because as an example, if you look at the book of Hebrews chapter 12, how many know this? How many know Hebrews chapter 12 says, whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and corrects. That's love. That's love. If you think about discipline and correction, nobody, he goes on to say, loves discipline and correction. But you know what? It's a proof of the love of God. Guess what that means? If I'm not receiving biblical correction from God, guess what I'm not walking in the fullness of? God's love. Because to walk in the fullness of God's love, I must receive the correction of the Father. If I don't receive the correction of God, it's like you parents. Why do you correct your kids? Because you love them. If you do so biblically, you're doing it because you love them, not because you're uh, hateful towards them or mean towards them or any such thing. I think it's interesting to realize that you got to understand the two sides of aspects of where love goes beyond God's word. And part of that is like we're just supposed to be so sweet and nice and just this ecumenical and we all get along, we all love each other. Well, Jesus called some guys in the New Testament whitewashed sepulchers. Guess who was speaking? Love was speaking. Love was speaking. Why did he call them that? Because they were deceived and deceiving others, and that was going to hurt people's lives. So there's a side of love that people tend to kind of leave off, and that's the issue of correction or the issue of dealing things that are not right or not obviously doing uh, things the way God says in relationship to the Word of God in relation to our life that are right or wrong. we got to understand love is not going to endorse wrong. As we're going to see, it'll endorse everything that's right. And at the same time, we got to do so in a way that truly is becoming of God's love. But I don't think when Jesus turned to the religious leaders of his day and that day said, you whitewashed sepulchers, I don't think he said, now you whitewashed little sepulchers. Don't let that be hurtful to you and I don't mean to offend you. No, I think he just said, you whitewashed sepulchers. You know what a whitewashed sepulcher is? A sepulcher is a graveside. He was calling them dead, and he was saying, you're whitewashed on the outside, acting like you're something you're not. So I'll guarantee you, love goes the full bound on both sides. Love goes beyond what a person's sin is because it recognizes the purpose of trying to rescue them from the evil that's taken advantage of their life, and at the same time, it doesn't endorse evil. Can I get a better amen? amen. So love, again, is not going to sit here and look at a person's lifestyle and not address something that could hurt their life when you're talking to them personally. Trying to help them personally. Could I get a better amen? And he even told the woman in the cotton adultery, same thing. This is important. You might want to write this down. This is good. This is by the Holy Ghost. You ready? Love does not condone, but love does not condemn. Love does not condone, but love does not condemn. So it doesn't condone wrong living, but you know what it doesn't? It doesn't condemn people either. 
It doesn't damn them, doesn't try to run them down, doesn't try to make them feel bad, doesn't try to push them down. No, it's trying to pull them up. To condemn means to damn from God's presence forever. To say, you're judge, you're going to hell. A lot of Christians run around telling other people, you know, I happen to know you're going to hell. No, they don't. They don't know that. They don't know the heart of that man. They don't know where they're going to be two days from now. They don't know if they're going to give their life to Jesus. You don't know that. So love does not condone, but love also does not what? Does not condemn. So there's the balance. Love doesn't condone wrong living, but it doesn't condemn them either. The purpose is to try to bring them out of what obviously they may be bound by and to help them to get free. Amen? But guess what frees people? Don't get mad. Guess what frees people according to the Bible? It's not love. Truth does. Truth does. I've known people that have gone through situations and I've heard other people say, well, you know, if if somebody would have just loved them. No, if somebody would have told them the truth, then yeah, if they they loved them enough to tell them the truth, the truth is what will set you free. Truth is what frees you, not love. Thank God for love. I said, thank God for love. But it's truth that sets you free. Thus said Jesus, John 8, 31, 32. If you know the truth, he said. He said, if you know love, he said, if you know the truth. Truth to do what? Set you free. And thank God, God loves us enough to share the truth with us. Any good amens about that? Give yourself a high five so I'm grateful for the truth. Amen. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, it says that you and I are to earnestly desire the best gifts, talking about spiritual gifts, earnestly desire them. And he even said, yet I'm going to show you even a more excellent way, which then he gets into talking about love. So 13.1, he says, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, I have the ability, have been used by God to speak both of with tongues of men, things that obviously were relating to his aspects of what he understood from a perspective of a Pharisee, yet, and also of angels, heavenly language, heavenly things. But if I have not love, I'm becoming what? I'm become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. So that would mean if I'm not walking in love, I'm not surely speaking on behalf of God. Right? Nobody who claims to be speaking on behalf of God, not walking in love, is speaking on behalf of God. Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy, simple prophecy, be able to speak directly edification, exhortation, and comfort. How many of we can all do that? And even understand what? All mysteries and knowledge. Though I have all faith that I could remove mountains, but have not love, guess what? I'm nothing. So again, it would say like, well, he's got the faith. He could move the mountain. But he doesn't have love, so I guess it's just not going to work. No, guess what? Again, see, without love, faith won't work because faith works through love. Verse 3, and though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, give my body to be burned, but have not love again, it what? Profits me nothing. Verse 4, love suffers what? Long. And it's kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in inequity, but rejoices in the truth. It speaks, excuse me, it bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. Now I want you to just for a moment, if you would, back up to the book of Romans. I want to show you this just really quick back here, if you would, in chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Because as we go through this definition of love, you know, people look at that and go, wow. How am I going to do that? I'm going to tell you how. That's in you. And, and, and a key, we're going to get into this, not tonight. On, on Sunday, if I get, we'll see how far we get tonight. may not Sunday morning, be, might be Sunday night. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the keys of how to walk in this. How do we walk in this love? 
We need to know what it is, first of all. So one of the keys is we need to know. What did, what did Paul say? I desire that your love would grow more and more in knowledge and all discernment. What are you getting right now? Knowledge. I'm getting knowledge of what that love is based on the definition from the Bible. This is Bible love. It's all right here in 1 Corinthians 13. But I want you to know what we're going to read off here, these 16 things. Guess what? They're in you. They're part of your reborn again spirit. How do we know? Romans 5, 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God, the love of God, what we're reading, what we're studying, these 16 things, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. By the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Sure, the Holy Spirit has it, but he poured that out in your heart. He poured that out in your spirit. You don't have to try to figure out how to get the Holy Spirit to do that through you. He's not going to do that. You just got to learn how to practice what you already got. So if you think about it, relationship to the natural, how many know that as you grow up in life, you might learn of some different abilities and things you have, capabilities of doing you didn't know you could do. And guess what? Those abilities are there, but guess what you got to do? You got to practice them. You got to glean and understand and learn how to develop them, how to be able to use them to their full advantage. So is it with love. Say, love's already in me. So what do we got to do? Glean an understanding of what it is and how to be able to practice it and get better at it. Amen? So we touched on the first six of these on Sunday night. The first six. Number one, love does what? It suffers. I'm just going to read through them pretty quickly here because we already touched on these in detail. What you're getting out of definitions here, again, this is definitions from the Greek language. Of what love is. Let me say one last thing. The Holy Spirit, thank you for reminding me about that, Lord. The Holy Spirit dealt with me on this that I didn't mention it on Sunday uh, night with you. So I want to mention it tonight. As we're going through these things, here's what you should do. I don't know. You might want to keep it private. So you might want not to do it. Not like it would be a big deal. I wouldn't be concerned about anybody else knowing it or not. I'll make mine known to you. I would circle any of these that you're struggling with. And guess what? That's what you want to focus on. That's where you want to start. Because all of us in some area of these have some areas that we really obviously need to focus on and get better at. You're not going to focus and get better on doing what love needs to do unless you recognize the areas that you're weakest in. Those are the ones you need to target as we go through this. Amen? So number one, and again, one last thing. Am I thinking about anybody else while I'm reading this? Nope. I'm not, I'm not responsible for them walking in love. I'm responsible for me walking in love. Can I get a better amen? This love is unconditional. So it doesn't focus on other people because it's not based on the conditions of what somebody else does at all. For me to walk in this love, it is not based on whether somebody loves me or not, treats me good or not. Thank God God didn't do that with us. And that's the kind of love that we're going to walk in. Can I get a better amen? So this is agape, unconditional, sacrificial, continual love. Number one, love does what it suffers long. That means it's patient towards all men with humble submission to the will of God. Staying patient with man means you don't get out of the will of God doing so. So it's not enough to just be patient with somebody as you're walking in the love of God. You got to do so by yourself not doing what? By you not getting out of the will of God. You got to remain. You can't let what other people do. This is what love does. Love doesn't force you to get out of doing the will of God. Love, if you're walking in love, you listening? If you're walking in love, it doesn't force you out of the will of God. It keeps you in the will of God. No matter what people are doing to you, this is a powerful thing. No matter what people are doing to you, if I choose to walk in love, the power of that does what? It preserves me in the will of God. Keeps me doing what I know is in line with the will of God. Part of which would be what? I don't fight back. 
Is it the will of God for me to fight back? No. And therefore, if I walk in the love of God, guess what I don't do? I don't fight back. I stay in the will of God. Number two, love is also what? It's kind. It is tender and compassionate, and it creates trouble for no one. So there's the key. To be kind here means what? I don't create trouble for anybody. I'm not going around trying to cause problems or cause trouble for other people. When you just think about being kind again, did it sound like Jesus was kind when he sent whitewashed sepulchers? No, but he was walking in love. He wasn't trying to cause trouble. He was trying to get them out of trouble. So you got to realize again, in the context of kind, that doesn't mean we don't correct. Because if you don't correct biblically in a way that's scriptural, according to what the Bible teaches, then you're not walking in love. If I know somebody's going a direction, I have a responsibility in their life to tell them you're going down a path that's going to hurt your life. And if I come to them and correct them, again, no correction seems joyful for the present. So it doesn't sound real kind sometimes when you got to correct people. Come on, somebody. How many of your kids say, Mama, you corrected me so kindly? <laughs> You're so kind when you correct me, you know. You shouldn't correct your kids out of anger. You should correct them out of love. Yes. Can I get a better amen? amen? But I'll tell you what, if you're going to correct your child who's about to run out in the street in front of a vehicle, you're not using kind, soft words. No. You're raising your voice and saying, get out of the street now. Well, that's not love. That most certainly was love because if you didn't get their attention, they could be, we could be doing their funeral. So it, it, it's, it's shocking to me how many people, again, just don't understand the love of God as it relates to the Bible understanding of love. That don't mean I should be brash or rude or harm, harm, in a sense, in, intentionally harmful towards others in the way I speak or whatever. No. But if I walk in love, guess what? I'm not afraid to tell you the truth. And I'm not afraid if I have responsibility to correct you if I need to correct you as a parent or in any situation, right? So it does not what? It just doesn't cause trouble for people. It's truly doing what it can to get people out of trouble. Number three, love doesn't envy. What does that mean? It's not greed because of what some other person may possess naturally or spiritually. It never gets envious of what somebody else has in their life where they may have gotten blessed or something that's good going on in their life. It doesn't look at what everybody else has and gets envious. Because if you allow envy to start getting into your life, guess what? The love of God is starting to go by the wayside. And now all of a sudden, if you're going to get envious of what somebody else has and you're a believer, you know where that leads for most believers? They get mad at God. They get mad at God. How come they're blessed and I'm not? How come they got this and I, and I don't? First and foremost, you don't know anything about them in relationship to their personal life to know whether God... A lot of times people say, look what God blessed them with, and God may have never blessed them with it to begin with. They might have went out and got it on their own strength, their own ability, whatever. But I'm just telling you, you don't ever get envious when you walk in love. You know what you do? You rejoice when you see people doing good. You're grateful for it. Come on, somebody. Because what you sow, you'll reap. Well, I sure wish that could be me. You start walking in love, it can be. Right. Most of those people didn't get there overnight if they're walking in the blessing of God. I didn't get where I'm at overnight walking in what I have now as a, as a child of God. It's a process. Right. I said it's a process. So don't envy. Say don't envy. Number four, love doesn't what? It doesn't parade itself. Now this means to desire to be noticed or applauded. Now let me help you selfies. Social media selfies trying to correct. I got to take the perfect selfie. Why? Why do you have to take the perfect selfie? So you can be noticed and applauded? Gets real quiet when you start preaching like this today. See, what's the goal? Is the goal to look perfect? 
We got to Photoshop you now? Why? Why do we got to Photoshop you? Why do we got the, why do we get you in the perfect pose? People actually that you're posting that stuff with, if they see it all, see in your bad times already, it don't, ha- don't matter if they see you in a perfect pose or not. Why, why is it we have to look so perfect before all of humanity? I'm going to tell you why. Because we're wanting to be noticed or applauded. Now, believe it or not, that's just part of that old Adamic nature. That's the old Adamic nature that's finding its value and worth in what other people think about me. Not what God thinks about me. Can I tell you what God thinks about you? Man, does he love you. Man, does he already accept you just the way you are. Guess what? You don't need to get created for God for him to show you how much he loves you. The perfect pose. The perfect selfie. You listening? He loves you as much when you wake up in the morning and you're in your PJs and your hair's all over in the place and everything's out as opposed to when you're all set, you know, in place to what you think is perfect. So let me help you, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't parade itself. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't want attention. Love doesn't want attention. Love's not looking for attention. How much of what you do is looking for attention? You just got to ask yourself. I'm not saying you are doing it. I'm just trying to be obedient to the Holy Spirit here. Because I know people still that they constantly talk about in relationship to things that they relate on social media, etc. It's always about them. It's always to bring attention to them. And the sad part about it is I know the truth behind that. I know that they don't have their worth in God yet because if they did, they wouldn't care about those things. They wouldn't be focused on those things. You understand? It's not like you're some bad person. No, that's part of that old fallen Adamic nature and the lie of the devil that I got to get people to like me. Let me help you. I ain't got to get anybody to like me. Now, I'm not, quote, unquote, trying to intentionally get people to not like me, but the point is whether they like me or not is, is absolutely immaterial when it comes to my value and worth. As long as you're trying to get somebody's opinion of you to be positive, all you're doing is you're trying to get their value, you're trying to get your value and worth off of their opinion. You ought to take God's opinion of yourself. You want to find it? Go read the New Testament. Because he looks at you as a spirit being. You don't look at the outside. He looks at the inside. What should you and I start doing? Looking at the inside. Thank you for all your amens about that. So you got to get to this point to understand, I don't want to be noticed. But the person who walks in love wants what? They want God to be all in all. I just want God to be seen in my life. I just want them to see my Jesus. I want want them to see him through me. And in our case, power of Pentecost, what do we want to see? We want them to see the Father through me through the power of God being in operation. Just like Jesus. Amen? The problem is... This is something really critical. The less humble you are in acknowledging who God says you are, the less, love, the less of the love of God you're going to walk in. It takes humility to accept who God says you are. Because you're always looking at the outer guy. And that's not good. You shouldn't do that. You've got to keep thinking about who God says you are. Come on, you've got to keep looking at the guy on the inside. You need to start looking at what God sees. Even about yourself. When you stand in the mirror and you look at yourself in the mirror, you ought to say, that person I'm looking at right there, that ain't the real me. That's right. Amen. The real guy's on the inside there. Amen. Come on, somebody. Who's been made perfect right. in the eyes of God. Who is part of God's handiwork, the Bible says. Hallelujah. Amen. I have within me a spirit that is totally united with Jesus, one spirit with the Lord. Amen. That's who I am. Amen. And so a lot of Christians don't realize this parading itself. It's not like you're trying to you know, be somebody big in the sense like, well, they're, they got a problem, man. They're always trying to look better than everybody else. I'll tell you why. Because they don't find their value and worth in God. It's that simple. 
It's that simple. So we got to be careful about that. Amen? Amen? Number five, love is also not what? It's not puffed up. And that means it's not inflated with the sense of its own importance. This goes beyond appearance. This goes beyond wanting to be noticed. This is now wanting to feel like I need to be recognized of importance for what I've done. But in fact, guess what? Love knows it deserves nothing of benefit given by God. Now that's hard to understand for some. You really need to meditate on that. Meaning what? I don't look at anything I've done as if, look, look what I did. You know, part of the problem why I struggled so much as a pastor early on is because I was somebody who found my value worth off of what I did. If you've been through Search for Significance, I've been through Search for Significance with us before. So if you want to write it down, next to number four, love does not parade itself. Does anybody know what false belief that is? Finding your value and worth in others. Number five, love is not puffed up. Finding your value and worth in what you do. So one is known as finding value and worth in others. The other is known as finding value and worth in what I do. There's nothing wrong with wanting to do a good job. And obviously you should want to do things right in the sight for God. You should want to honor God with your life. But I'm not doing it to get my value and worth out of that. Can I get a better amen? I'm doing it to honor God. That's why I'm doing it. But when all of a sudden I feel like I should be noticed because I vacuumed the floor. Come on somebody. I fixed this door, I did this, I did that. People need to notice what I do. I'll tell you what that is. That's being puffed up. I said that's being puffed up. It's a sense of your own importance. You know what the devil tries to get us to do? He tries to get us to value ourselves again off of what we do. Our own value of worth based on what we do. I'm going to tell you what. Your value and worth is based on one thing. It ain't what you've done. It's what Jesus did. How many glad about that? If you understand this and meditate on this and learn this, this will help you walk in faith a whole lot better. Because now I understand I don't deserve anything that I get. If I did, I wouldn't need Jesus to die for me. Did you earn your righteousness? What about everything that came along with it? Absolutely not. Every gift and ability I've got, guess what? I didn't earn that. I didn't, I didn't, God, bless me, God gave me that as a benefit for my life. He deserves the glory for whatever I'm able to do. Can I get a better amen? So you got to be careful with the puffed up part. So you see the difference? Parade is focusing upon value and worth and trying to get others to get their attention of how I feel about me. Puffed up means I'm trying to get value and worth based on what I'm doing. I feel like I deserve. When you start hearing people say, well, man, you really deserve this because look what all you've done. No, they don't deserve anything. You know what we deserved? Hell. That's what we deserved. Aren't you glad Jesus did something about it? You know what we deserve? The wrath of God. Guess why? Guess why you won't get the wrath of God? Because he took it for you. That's what we deserve, but we're not going to get what we deserve. We're getting what we didn't deserve. And see, when you understand that, there's nothing about even the promises of God you deserve, so you can't earn them. It's just a simple childlike faith to say, oh, you've given me that as a gift. Thank you. I know I didn't deserve it, but thank gosh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me this gift. Come on, somebody. So it'll help your faith. Amen. And then number six, love does not behave rudely, right? I told you I wasn't going to preach on these and there I'm preaching on them. Love does not behave rudely. It does not what? doesn't act out of place or character, showing forth good manners, never intentionally. 
offending others. So back to the whitewashed sepulchers. Was he intentionally trying to offend them? No. He was trying to correct them because they were deceived and they were deceiving others. So intentionally offending means I am out to hurt you. I want to harm you. I want to intentionally harm you by doing things that would offend you, that would hurt you. That's what this is talking about. Because the truth is, I mean, how many people today, if you walked up to them and start talking to them about something about their life because you love them and you start telling them truth, especially in relationship to the aspects of sin, what do they tell you? What do they actually tell you? Hey, you're offending me. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to help you. Any good amens on that? So this is talking about intentionally. Notice the statement. Love doesn't behave rudely. How is behave, How does not behave? You don't intentionally offend others. If I correct somebody, I'm not intentionally offending. I'm trying to correct to help them. There's a big difference. I said there's a big difference. You know, people don't understand, again, aspects of the difference between what would be a form of correction and what really is behaving rudely that I'm intentionally trying to offend somebody. Tell somebody I'm not going to do that. Any good amens on that? So that was the last one we finished with. Number seven. You still with me? Number seven. Watch this. Love does not what? It doesn't seek its own. Now this is saying different again. This is not parading. This is not puffed up. What it means is I'm not living for me. I'm not living for me. My life is not being lived for me. I'm never satisfied. Love, excuse me, it, it is never satisfied except in the welfare and salvation of all. It is never satisfied except in the welfare and salvation of all. No true Christian is for his own happiness alone, not caring about the outcome of those in the world. God so loved the world, what do we do? See, he wasn't seeking his own life, he was giving his life for us. I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. Now, does that mean we just come and do whatever anybody wants us to do? See, no, that's not love again. Because to serve people doesn't mean I just do whatever they tell me to do. So you and I got to make sure we're focusing on what? We're focusing on doing what we can to do what's right in the sight of God by helping other people to know our Jesus. Could I get an amen on that? Never satisfied except with the welfare and salvation of all. No true Christian is living for his own. You've been bought with a price. So thank God we get to help others now. Amen? I said amen. amen. Number eight, moving on. Love is not what? It's not provoked. So what does that mean? It's not irritated. I'm just stopping right there on that one for a little. What is love not? It's not irritated. How irritated do you get? <laughs> a lot of heads going like this. You know, I'm thinking of the little dog, you know, that was in, you know, little dogs they put in the back of the car, you know. So what is love? It's not irritated. Say it's not irritated is not made sour or bitter. Doesn't get sour or bitter towards anyone. Love is what? It's calm. It is serious, but it is also patient, and it is restraining one's temper and feelings. It don't mean your flesh don't get irritated. See, this is where people miss it. They think, well, are you, are you kidding me? How in the world am I not going to get irritated? No, your flesh will get irritated, but your spirit won't. The difference is you're choosing not to obey your flesh. You're choosing to do what your spirit knows to do. 
See, a lot of people will look at something like this and think, wow, love is not irritated? Well, I could never walk in love because I sure get irritated. Oh, everybody's flesh gets irritated. But you know what you don't do? You don't walk by that. You're not ruled by that. What are you ruled by? Your spirit man. And your spirit man is what? Your spirit man is never made sour or bitter towards others. It is calm. It remains serious. But it also remains what? Patient. And it restrains. Listen to that last part. What does it do? It restrains one's tempers and feelings. So they're there. Right? The temper and the flesh is there. The feelings are there. You just don't do what? You don't let it get away with you. You restrain it. Love restrains it. Love's smart enough to say, nope, I ain't doing that. Nope, not saying that. Nope, not going to allow them to get me irritated. I'm going to walk in love. You listening? Not going to let my flesh rule me there. Hallelujah. Number nine, love thinks what? This means, if you actually look at this in relationship to the Greek language, it does not keep a record of the wrongs done to it. To think no evil means it doesn't keep a record. If you look this up in the Greek language, it means it keeps no record of the wrongs done to it and it does not assume evil intent. Underline that, please. Intent, not actual actions, but an intent. It does not assume evil intent without proof. How many times you ever, in, how many ever, how many ever assumed what somebody was doing they were doing on purpose to hurt you? Yes. Has anybody ever assumed that of you? Yes. And they were wrong. See, guess what? Love doesn't assume. Doesn't do that. You love always, as you're about to see in another one of these things, always thinks the best of everybody. Well, if you do that, you don't assume that their intent is evil. We're talking about the intent. Well, I happen to know it is. Well, again, you would not assume that without proof. Intent means what? They're intentionally trying to harm you. Knowing what they're doing. Not deceived. Out to destroy and harm you in any way they can. Most people that are trying to harm other people, most people, they're deceived. They're deceived. Any of you ever tried to harm anybody with your words and stuff before? Were you trying to put them in the grave? No. You know why you did it? Because you were deceived. You were caught up in the flesh and deceived and doing the same thing. Can I get a better amen? So again, love doesn't what? It does not keep a record of wrongs done and it does not assume evil intent without actual proof. Even if there's proof, if you find that somebody, if you've got proof, somebody without a doubt knew exactly what they were doing. Remember what Jesus said about those who crucified him. Was their intent really to kill the son of God? No, they didn't even know that he was. Not until after he was on the cross. Then after they saw him on the cross. Remember what the Roman soldiers said after they pierced his side? Truly this was the Son of God. Imagine how they felt at that point. Anybody could have looked at the Roman soldiers, what they did to Jesus said, well, their intent was evil. No, their intent was to carry out what they were deceived by, by the Jews, to kill him. Can I get a better amen? You got to understand, don't assume evil intent. But even if you got proof their intent was wrong in the sense that it is evil, guess what I do? I don't keep a record of wrongs. If I know that somebody intentionally knew what they were doing to try to harm me, what do I do? How do I still walk in love with them, Pastor? You walk in love from a distance. You listening? If this is somebody you know in context to a friendship or whatever, if you know their intent is to evilly harm you, then you walk in love from a distance. You don't continue to walk up to them and allow them to obviously intentionally harm your life. 
Can I get a better amen? That don't mean arguing with people and that kind of stuff because most of that stuff is just a bunch of deceptive garbage that we get caught up wanting to be right and all that kind of stuff like we talked about on Sunday. So it thinks no evil, keeps no record of wrong, doesn't assume evil intent without proof. I know none of us assume evil intent by anybody. None of us do. Number 10, love does not do what? That's important. It doesn't rejoice at inequity. What does that mean actually, pastor? It does not celebrate Say celebrate. celebrate. It does not celebrate nor promote anything that is what? Unrighteous in the sight of God, false in the sight of God, or opposed to God's truth. So even in relationship to those who live an immoral lifestyle, whether that's adultery, whether that's homosexuality, whether you name it, whatever, that all this stuff that gets celebrated now and God's okay with it. No, God's not okay with it. And the Bible's clear. But, but recognize love does what does not what? It doesn't in any way celebrate that and say it's okay, you can live however you want. Now see, that's a term that we use in relationship to what? Sloppy grace, talking about the hyper grace thing. Doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter how you live, you're all saved by grace, you live any way you want. Well, that kind of ties to an old, remember this old saying? Sloppy agape. Because sloppy agape means I just love you anyway. doesn't matter what you do. Well, loving them in the sense that you obviously should do so as Jesus did, no matter what they do, is one thing. Loving what they do is another. So love never loves what somebody does that's out of line with God's word and say it's okay. Notice the phrase celebrate again. Because if you're loving what they do, you're celebrating with them, it's okay. You're celebrating their lifestyle, their ways of doing things that are not right in the sight of God. Love doesn't do that. Because love knows if you're obviously celebrating something that's wrong and think it's okay, guess what? Satan's going to take advantage of your life. So love doesn't rejoice in inequity, but number 11, what does it rejoice in? It rejoices in the truth. It rejoices, this is what this means, it rejoices when right and truth prevail. Guess what God loves? He loves when right and truth prevails. Because when right and truth prevails, guess what happened? People get liberated. People walk in freedom, not bondage. And God's all about liberating people. It rejoices when right and truth prevail, when people walk in moral excellence, and it's grieved when they do not. See, there's something wrong with somebody who's not grieved by knowing somebody else they care about who knows that they're not living right, and it doesn't grieve you. That's not love. That is not love. I've had multiple situations of friends and family members living wrong lifestyles, and it grieves me every single time I think about it. It grieves me every time I get around them. You want to know why it grieves me? I'm going to tell you why. Not because I'm some perfect guy walking in love. i got my own stuff to deal with. But I'll guarantee you why that grieves me, because I know the outcome is not going to be good. I know the outcome is going to be detrimental to their life. They don't think so, but I know so according to the Word of God. So love is grieved when people don't live by the truth. And that's a problem today. we got a lot of people in Christianity who claim they love other people, but you know what they never do? Even though they know they're not living right, they're not grieved by it. And they just continue to do what they call love on them and just be sweet to them because maybe sooner or later their eyes will be open. Not if you don't address the problem. Not if you don't address the issue and say, you know what, my Jesus can free you from this. He can help get you out of this. Can I get a better amen? amen? So love does what? It rejoices in the truth. It rejoices when right and truth prevail and when people walk in moral excellence. It's grieved when they do not. If you were not grieved by wrong living of somebody's lifestyle, I'd be checking my heart to see what's going on, why I'm not walking in love. 
Number 12, love does what? Bears all things. It does not go around revealing faults and failures of others, for love covers a multitude of sins. How is that bearing all things? The word bear here is the word for cover. It actually should have been translated that way. Because like bears all things, like means here's like we should be putting up with all things. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But that's not this word here, see? This word means to cover. Everywhere in the context of the Greek language it's used, it's referring to a type of covering. Now, this doesn't mean we look at what somebody else is doing. We just saw love is grieved when people don't live right. So this doesn't mean, I think it's unique how God puts all these in order. Because it rejoices in the truth, it also does what? It covers all things. That doesn't mean that it allows what it sees of somebody doing wrong. And it doesn't look at it and just covers it up. Doesn't look at it and say, oh, that's no big deal. No, love is grieved when people aren't doing right. But you know what love doesn't do? Love doesn't take what it knows about somebody else. And then go publicly tell other people. You listening? This is a big deal when it comes to spouses. When you go to work or go around other people, well, let me tell you about what my spouse is doing. Who gave you the right to open up and talk about all the wrong that your spouse is doing? That's not what love does. You like it when everybody goes around exposed. Well, they've exposed all my stuff. Well, guess what? Sadly, then they're not walking in love. But if somebody will start, it might change things. It'll certainly change things for you. Come on, somebody. You got to recognize very carefully when you get around other people and they start bringing up personal matters, you better learn how far you better go in that and how far you better not go in that. Because love uses discernment. There are some things you probably don't need to know. And I guarantee you, in some cases, the only time we do is if we're actually one whom God has called to help them to be able to get free from whatever they're dealing with. But love does what? So it covers all things. It doesn't go around revealing faults. Who goes around revealing faults and failures of others? Gossipers, slanderers. Social media is filled with this. See, social media people, even Christians, sad to say, they don't walk in this kind of love because they go around blasting everybody. Hey, man, I mean, Facebook has made it so easy for you now. Now you can do the anonymous post. They don't even have to know who posted it. Go on to any site, anybody, any page of anything else. And if you go to post something that you don't like, you can now post, you can click anonymous. So they didn't even know who posted it. But I'll tell you what, God knows. <laughs> God knows if you posted it. So if we're bearing all things, even though we may have been hurt, even though we may be going through some challenge with that situation with that person, guess what we don't do? We don't go and blab it to everybody else. And this is a huge mistake a lot of people make. And obviously when you start doing that, guess what you're not doing? You're not walking in love. Uh, one of the other things you understand about love, the further you get away from love, who's love? God is. The further you get away from love, who do, who do you get further away from walking close to? God. So who do you get walking closer to? The devil. Satan. And this is why, this is why, children of God, listen to me, this is why we talk about it all the time. You have to protect yourself, not to the degree... To not want to be a help somebody if they want help, but to protect yourself of who you listen to and who you follow, what you allow people to speak into your life. Because again, if they're saying stuff like this about other people, you shouldn't be hearing it. If they're not supposed to be saying it, guess who should not be hearing it? Nobody. Nobody. And this is why people get on me. 
They, they get all over me about, well, you're being pretty harsh and pretty be, being pretty mean removing these people from your Facebook friendship list and this and that, not talking to them and all that. Oh, no, they're spewing all kinds of garbage. I, I'm not supposed to be listening to that. They're not supposed to be spewing it, but I ain't going to be listening to it for sure. Why would I listen to it? They're already out of love. I don't want them to get that stuff in my heart and get me doing the same thing. Come on, somebody. So love does what? Covers. Thir- Twelve covers. Bears all things. Thirteen. Love does what? It believes all things. That, that means is ever ready, ever ready to believe the best of every person. Every. Every person. And will credit no one with evil. This is actual actions, not intent. Remember the previous one on nine was evil intent, assuming evil intent. This is actually crediting somebody's actions that they are evil. Their actions are evil. It will credit no one with evil without what? Without the most positive evidence. So it's believing the best of all people. Although, obviously, if there's evidence that they're not, and it's proven, clearly if they're in that aspect like a murderer or something like that, and it's proven, then obviously I can't believe a whole lot of good about that person because clearly... They've been doing some evil things. Doesn't mean God still can't change their heart. But in relationship to other people, our goal is to try to see the best in everybody. But that means in the case of uh, crediting no one with evil without the most positive evidence, we don't deny if evil's there. You listening? We don't deny if it's there. We have evidence. But what are we still looking for? The best. We're trying to look for the best in them. 14, love hopes all things. Aren't you glad God looked at the best in you? Love does what? It hopes all things. So this is powerful. As you go on in relationships, love does what? It holds out hope for change to come. It holds out hope for change to come. Even with those whose conduct may not seem proper, it longs to see one's life change for the better. Now to do that, to hold out hope that change in a person's life could come, you got to keep walking in love. And the thought, but it's not fair because I'm not being treated in love, then you're not in love. If you think because I'm not being treated with love, this is unfair, then you're not walking in love. Because love doesn't care how it gets treated. Can I help you? You are being loved. Every day, if you allow it. You are being loved. Every day. If you allow it. I said, if you allow it, if you be aware of it, guess who's loving on you every day? God is. God loves you. Praise God. I don't need people to love me to make me feel complete. You're going to get in a bad position if all of a sudden it's people that I got to have loving me to be able to help me in life to get through what I got to go through. People should love you, but I'll tell you right now, they're not, going, they're not God. They're not going to be there for you every day, but God is. Every moment of every day. You're born again. You got love in you. You got a God that loves you. Any good amens about that? I'll tell you what, if you don't, if you don't think that ain't important, go check out David's life. When he goes to do what? He goes to battle against their enemies that obviously are coming against them. And when he comes back home after winning the battle, guess what happens? Another enemy came and took all their wives, their children. Think about it. All their possession. And what do his men who just won a battle with him do? They turn on David. And David has nobody to turn to now except one, his God. He learned to encourage himself in the Lord. Can I get a better amen? I'm not telling you we shouldn't love one another. I don't look for somebody else's love to sustain me. It will not. God's love will. If you're trying to look for somebody else to love you, to sustain you, you're looking in the wrong place. 
you got a sustaining love inside you, call God. If you know that, I'll guarantee you what, that'll help you to a lot of stuff in life. There's been times in my life I thought about committing suicide. You know what kept me from doing that? The love of God. The love of God did. Not somebody else's love. God's love did. Because I knew God loved me. I knew God cared about me. And I knew I was allowing myself to get in a selfless position to look at me and my situation instead of getting my eyes back on God who truly loves me, truly cares about me. Amen? So it hopes all things, holding out hope for one to change. 15, love then also does what? It endures all things. Tell your neighbor, this one's for all of us right here. They all are, of course. What does that mean? It bears up under all persecution. And it never never says of any trial, affliction, or insult, this cannot be endured. Because if you walk in love, guess what? You can endure anything. Think about all Paul went through. Come on, think about what all Peter went through. Think about what all James and John and Matthew went through. You know what sustained them through all those constant uh, attacks upon their life, trying to kill them, etc.? I'll tell you what sustained them. The love of God did. So love does what? It endures all things. 16, last one. Come on, we got through all 16. Love never fails. Say it never fails. Now the word fails here, you know, it does not have within its definition like it never doesn't work. But obviously it does. It always does work. That would be included, but that's not the wording here. This means it has no end to it. It has no end. It has no end, therefore guess what it never does? It never stops loving. This is why 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, if you back up again to those previous verses before that, remember when I was a child, spoke as a child, thought I was a child, lived, but now that I be, you know, became a man, grew up, <clears throat> I'd put away childish things. Now, it says we see in part, know in part, all that. Then we'll know as we're known, right? But then it comes to that last verse and it says, and now, while well, you're here on earth, say, here on earth. Now you got to do what? Now abide. Live in daily. What? Faith, hope, and love. The greatest is? I'm going to tell you why also, another reason. I told you already, one of the reasons out of those three, that love is the greatest because hope is an expectation of what God has promised. Faith lays a hold of it, but love makes it work. Can I get a better amen? Amen. I'm going to tell you another reason why love is the greatest. You ready? I'm going to tell you why. When you get to heaven, you don't need no faith, don't need no hope. You're going to see everything. You're going to know everything. But guess what you're still going to walk in? Love. Love. Love's forever. It is forever. It has no end, and therefore, guess what we should not do? We should not stop loving people ever. We should not have a time limit on our love. So you think about forgiveness. Remember what the disciples said? The disciples said, Lord, how often must I forgive someone? And basically, he told them 490 times in a day, and he wasn't telling you that if you get up to 490, the 491th time, you can forgive them. He was just saying, infinitely, you forgive people. And I'll, 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 I'll even agree with Dr. Barclay on this thought. If you got a friend that would actually deal with, uh, do wrong to you 490 times in a day, you got the wrong friend. <laughs> you don't need 490 times in a day that they really do you wrong. I mean, if you kept count, and that's how many times. You need to find some new friends. These are bad friends. These are not good friends. Can I get a better amen? Listen, this is key to walk in love. Find your security in God. We're going to touch on this on Sunday. Find your security in God, not in people. Thank God for the love we get to experience through other people at times that we actually say that love exhibited to us. But I don't need that to live out my daily life in love because if I did, I'd be relying on people 
to show me that love. Well, I don't need to do that because I got God living in me to show me that love every day. I don't have to have people do that. You listening? If I expect it, I'm actually getting out of love. Because if I'm expecting people to love me, then I'm getting out of love myself because now I'm acting like I deserve it. And I don't. But thank God he gives it to me anyway. I don't have to have somebody to get it. I already got it. I said I already got it. Can I get a better amen? So these are the understanding from Scripture of what these 16 key things of defining love is all about and what it means according to the Bible. So what I encourage you to do, and this is why I typed these up, because I knew it would be a lot to write down, but more than just that, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to take this little sheet, and you need to take some time over the next days, weeks, and months, and you need to read back through these. If you haven't already, you need to start circling or highlighting the ones that you know you got a problem with. And how do I fix that, Pastor? Join me Sunday. And I'll tell you how you can start learning to walk in these love principles of what makes up what's already inside of you, which is the love of God. There are things you can do. There are things that will help you to do this better, and we need to understand that. Amen? That's a part of our knowledge of how to walk in love. Praise God. I said praise God. Amen. Stand to your feet tonight. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.